everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. I have a great conversation today, especially for any of you aspiring coaches or any of you entrepreneurs that don't want to do it the burnout way, don't want to do it by having to get on social media, don't want to do it by having to build funnels and all the things that you think you should do, but just make your insides crawl. You're going to love this conversation. Let me tell you about our guest. Known as the enlightened entrepreneur, Elizabeth Cannon champions a new approach to entrepreneurship for women out of the pressure cooker and onto a path that's more sustainable, life-giving, and prosperous. Many years ago, she became an entrepreneur for freedom, but a few years into running her company, she realized she felt trapped in the business she had created. On the outside, she was successful, but on the inside, she was sensing a lack of deeper satisfaction. This launched her on her own self-directed journey, and now as a master coach, Elizabeth helps other women step onto their own paths of enlightened entrepreneurship so they can grow a business without sacrificing what matters most in their lives. And before we get to the episode, I would love to ask a huge favor of you, which is to go and complete my podcast survey. We're making some changes and upgrades to the podcast. Would love your input. When you complete it, you will be entered into a raffle to win a 30-minute free coaching session with me that's not recorded or aired. Well, it can be recorded for your personal use, but it will not be aired on the podcast. So to enter that contest, all you have to do is go to christinehasler.com slash survey fill out the survey and then you'll be entered into the contest. We'll be picking someone by mid-December. We want to give some time for a lot of people to fill out the survey. I also want to thank my sponsor for this week, Organifi. They're doing something really cool in honor of National Pumpkin Day. They're doing free shipping on all orders with gold pumpkin spice starting today through the end of the month. They're also having their Black Friday Cyber Monday deal from November 20th to 27th. So please be sure to check that out and get all your Organifi goodies for extra percentages off and free shipping. You can go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it or use promo code over it at checkout. Their gold pumpkin spice is a favorite of mine. It is a beautiful way to make the most delicious turmeric pumpkin tasting latte with all kinds of good things in it, like lemon balm, which is so calming and really helps the nervous system, passion flower, reishi mushroom, and as I mentioned, turmeric, which is a potent antioxidant. So head on over to Organifi.com slash over it to get 20% off your order. And remember, November 20th through 27th, they're running a lot of their Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. And now on to my conversation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Christine. So I was coaching someone yesterday and she was talking about how much she loves the spiritual work and she loves coaching people and just like does not like the business piece of it. And it just feels so hard. And like, why can't I just do what I love and make money of it? Why is the entrepreneurial business side like so hard? Hmm. And, you know, we, we got into a conversation about that, but I thought that'd be a really, really great place to start with you because I'm sure that's something you hear from many entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs of like, oh, I just want to do what I love. And but the business stuff, like, oh, just, I don't want to post on social media. Like, I don't want to 
you know, burn my candle at both ends. Like, I, I don't want to be tired. Like, this is a conundrum I see a lot of entrepreneurs get in, especially women. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to this? Oh my gosh. Well, I think it's something that is so prevalent. And, you know, from my perspective, I believe that our businesses are catalysts for our own personal growth and development if we are willing to treat them as such. And so when I hear you telling the story of the woman and how she's like, why does it have to be so hard? Why can't I just do the parts of the business that I love the most and not have to do the other parts? What I hear is resistance. And in looking at our businesses as catalysts for personal growth, any place that we experience resistance is really an invitation to lean in and see what's there so that we can step even further into our own personal power. So usually resistance in business is sales, right? Like that's the part. It's like, oh, I wish I didn't have to create the money myself from scratch. Oh, it feels so heavy. And part of the reason it feels heavy might be that you feel a lot is on the line, right? Like if you don't create the money, then what? right? Like maybe it's that I can't pay my bills or then I don't have a successful business or then I feel like an imposter. And so our mind likes to attribute all this meaning to it. And in creating the money for ourselves, we have to really put ourselves out there in new ways. I mean, before I became a coach and before I even became an entrepreneur, I was a partner at a creative agency in Manhattan and my job function was in sales. And I was a a really great salesperson. So great that I helped the agency grow triple in size. They made me a partner of the agency because of my contributions. And as I was nearing the end of my time there and feeling like I had really outgrown that role and I was ready for something new and wanted to pursue creating my own business, I thought to myself, if I can be such an effective salesperson for this company, certainly I can sell for myself. And I could not have been more wrong because selling on behalf of yourself requires a totally different skill set. And it's not taught. It's not taught in corporate world and full-time jobs. It's not taught in business school. And there's a lot of tie. We wrap up and tangle our identities mm-hmm. in our business success. And so when you're a coach, for example, and you're just wanting to do the coaching part, but not the enrollment part of the business, it you you don't have a business that way. And so it really, to me, is an invitation to go, okay, how do I decouple? How do I not be so tangled with this person saying yes or no to me? Mm Because they're not saying yes or no to me. They're saying yes or no to this particular way of working or Mm. this time, or Mm. they're not that this transformation, they don't see that it's the right fit. And that might be real wisdom that's coming from them to say no. But when we take it so personally, then it gets really hard to keep showing up time after time in enrollment conversations. And we start to want to dissociate from the sales part of the business to only do the 
you know, I'm putting air quotes, the, the stuff we like, but in my opinion and experience, that is a way of avoiding an invitation to become more powerful versions of ourselves. I love this. And I want to bookmark the the sales and the personalizing conversation because that's such a big one. And I want to go back to this client example I gave, but I, I've I've heard it from so many people. <laughs> you know, it's like sh- this person could be 50 different people because it's such a common thing that I hear. Mm. And I love what you said about resistance. And it's like, what are we resisting? And how do we need to look at that? How we reframe it? And what I've also noticed, I'm wondering if you've noticed it too, is sometimes it actually is our intuition. Like sometimes the things that we really don't like to do aren't the things that we should be doing. And we're missing another way to build our business. Like for for women, especially receiving is our superpower. There's so much we can draw in energetically. There's so much we can draw in through relationships. Mm -hmm. And so if your stomach cringes, when you think about doing social media posts, I think a good question to ask is, is this resistance or is this discernment? Like, do I really, it's just it's not the way I want to build my business. So how, when you work with clients or in your own, own life, how have you been able to make that distinction? Because I think like pushing through resistance at some point is really amazing. And I think pushing through resistance at another point leads to burnout and has us like, like ignoring inner nudges of like, "Mm, there's another way you could be doing this. So what's a good way to discern between the two? Yeah, I I think this is such a juicy um, pocket of the conversation because there is a level of discernment and it can totally be your wiser self leading you in a different direction, right? Maybe it's not this way, it's that way. And part of the benefit of being your own boss is that you get to call the shots. You get to design your business so that it supports how you want to feel and the life that you want to be leading. And so that looks different for everyone. And so we get to like, even in this conversation today, it's like, as you're, as your audience, your community is listening to this, each of them get to run it through the filter of their own inner wisdom, right? Because they all know best, you all listening know best for you. And so building like that discernment to me is, is a muscle. And I have a more practical way of looking at it, it because it's business, which would be, you know, like I don't, I'm not really on social media. That's not a platform or a tool that I use to grow my business. Maybe that will change in the future, but so far it hasn't. And it's not because it doesn't come naturally to me. It's not something I have made time for. Um, And it's been okay because I have other modes of growing my business that work. So I would say when it comes to building your business, you get to look at your bank account And you get to go, is it working? (laughs) Because if it's working, if whatever I want to do is working, then I don't need to do the other things. But if my bank account does not match my level of service, then that's an opportunity for me to go, all right, what can I step more into? What might I try next? And there might be a long list of things that your mind can come up with that you could try, whether it's collaborating with someone or speaking at places or hosting your own events or um, 
doing a, an email partnership or being on social media. Like you might have a long list of things and you get to run that list through the filter of your own inner wisdom to say, okay, what's the one that's jumping out at me the most? What's the one that my intuition is pulling me toward? Maybe I'll try that next. But if you're coming from a place where the business is already working, then whatever you try next just gets to be a fun experiment. But when the business isn't working, usually there's some, in my experience, there's some aspect of your own personal power and stepping into your own professionalism that you've been avoiding. I love what you said about, I haven't grown my business through through social media. I think a lot of people hear that and go, what? And you have this successful business and you're on podcast. It's like, how have you done that? Because I think that a lot of people think, especially those people that may want to grow a coaching business, think you have to be on social media. So can you share some of the ways that you have grown your business that have been really successful for you? Sure. Talking to people. (laughs) Can you, can you? (laughs) To me, enrollment and having a, a coaching practice Real really boils down to serving people and being in conversation with people. So in growing my practice, like I remember at the very beginning, it was like, okay, well, who do I know that I think I could really help? Who has a challenge that I know about that I think I could really help them with that challenge. And then I would just offer to help and I would get in conversation. And when you're, um, when you're selling high ticket coaching or high ticket group experience, like a mastermind, being inside conversation is what gives people the experience of what it's like to work with you. And that to me is really crucial to filling your client roster because there are so many people out there who have never worked with a coach. There are so many people out there who have worked with coaches that are not you, right? And so you being a coach have your own way of coaching. And it's really hard for people to be able to say yes or to say no without having had their own experience of what your coaching can help them create in their own lives. So for me, it's always been inviting people to conversation and speaking. I love speaking. I have a residency at Soho House. I host all of their entrepreneur events for women. They're called Enlightened Entrepreneur Events. Um, I've been doing that for years. They're really small and intimate. It's not, I'm speaking to a group of 200 people. It's like 10 people, 12 people um, once a month right? It's really intimate and high touch. So those are the ways that I have grown my coaching practice without using social media. I love that. I love that. Backing up to how long have you had your business now? It has been almost seven years. Okay. Backing up to when you first started, because I'm sure someone listening might be going, great, I'll talk to people, but where do I find the people? Hmm. Well, you can find the people anywhere. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that it's like, we're people too, and we're out in the world and we're living our lives. So, you know, I have met clients. I have met people who have become clients at um, 
and the Adirondacks glamping around a morning campfire. I have met clients naked in the sauna at the gym. Like there are clients everywhere because there are people everywhere who have challenges or who want to break through in certain areas of their life or experience transformation. And so really it, it becomes about a willingness to serve and a willingness to even open a conversation or say what you do or ask different questions, right? Like so many coaches are like, where do I meet clients? Where do I meet clients? And they're out in the world, but they're not talking about what they do or they're not asking questions of people. They're not being curious. And so like you could really like spend a little bit of time connecting to yourself. Maybe that's going for a walk or meditating for a few minutes or staring out the window while you wash dishes. And really from that place of of connection, think of who do you know in your world that comes to mind that you'd love to work with? And even just doing that as a simple exercise and making a list and you have this list of people and some of them might feel like obvious to you and some of them might be totally out of the blue and so random and you have no idea how you would even connect with them or whatever. And you just start one by one, like holding them in your mind and in your heart and reaching out and inviting them to a conversation. And it can really start that small. I mean, that's how I started my practice seven years ago. And, you know, the the way that my Soho House residency began was because before I was uh, a coach, I was an entrepreneur and I worked with a lot of big fashion, luxury, and technology brands. And I would give talks about that industry at Soho House in New York. And when I moved to Los Angeles, the people in New York said, why don't you meet the uh, people at Soho House in Los Angeles? And maybe you guys can do something together. And so I I said, okay, because I was new and I wanted to um, build a network of people and connections and relationships in Los Angeles. But I was really clear that I was not interested in working with these big companies as a consultant any longer. And at the time, I wasn't a coach yet. I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. It hadn't become clear. And so I took the meeting with the, the person who ran Soho House in Los Angeles without any agenda of my own. And I remember going into that meeting being like, is this really stupid of me that I don't have an agenda? Because in business, you really lead with your intellect and knowing things and being assertive. Like those are values that our our culture really prioritizes for if you're a a savvy business person. And I thought, am I just going to look foolish that I don't have an agenda and yet I'm taking this meeting? What if this person thinks I'm wasting their time or wasting my time? And I felt really unsure of myself because in all of the meetings I had ever been in previously, I really had an agenda and I came in knowing things. (laughs) And I, before the meeting started, I did maybe a one minute meditation where I really set the intention that the time together in the meeting was in service to this woman that I was meeting with, was in service to the person who connected us and was in service to myself. And I 
set that intention and let it go. And at the beginning of the meeting, I said to her, I don't have an intention. Uh, I don't have an agenda for our time together. My intention is to hear what you're working on and what you're up against. And if there are any ways I can help, I will freely share my ideas while we're sitting together now. And if there's not any ways I can help, that's fine too. But but that's why I'm here. And I kind of braced myself because I I didn't know if she was going to be like, oh man, this woman is wasting my time. But she looked me in the eye and she said, Elizabeth, thank you so much. Everybody who meets with me sees me as a gatekeeper and they all want something from me. And they all always and only have their own agenda. And the fact that you showed up like this, I appreciate so much. And so then it led to a different conversation than we probably would have had if I hadn't said that. Mm. And she said, you know, I host these breakfast events for women. And every month we invite in someone different to be our host and be uh, the featured person. Would you like to be the next featured person? And I said, absolutely. And she said, what would you like to talk about? And I had not prepared anything about this. I hadn't even really thought about giving a talk on this topic, but it flew out of my mouth. And I said, I want to talk about designing your business for the life you want to lead, because that's something I'm spending a lot of my personal energy in right now. And I bet other women too. And so she said, great, love it. That's the topic. And we picked a date and I came and I led the breakfast. And again, before the breakfast, I took a minute or two and I just connected to my intention for how I wanted to show up and serve the women there and use my own story of entrepreneurship to inspire, to create and spark a different type of dialogue for women in business. And that's how I showed up. And we had a really beautiful conversation that I, that two coaching clients came out of, even though I didn't have a coaching practice yet. And at the end of the breakfast, um, afterwards, I said to the woman who ran it, I said, you know, sometimes at Soho House, you have events on the calendar and there are film screenings and wine tastings, and they're really cool and really fun. And if you get waitlisted, it's no big deal. You're like, ah, I'm a little disappointed, but that's fine. But if you got waitlisted for something like designing your business for the life you want to lead, that's a topic. If you care about it, you really care about it. And so I asked if there were women who had been waitlisted and I expected there to be maybe a handful. And she said, there are 200 women who have been this. I know. And so I said, all right, I'm going to think about this and you think about it too. And let's talk again next week. And I wanted to come up with a way to serve those women. And so by holding that, kind of question, like, how do we serve the women who didn't get a spot around the breakfast table? That's what led to an ongoing event series that's been running for years at Soho House. And so really, I, to me, that's a testament to allowing yourself to be in conversation, to be in the flow, to have an intention instead of an agenda, and to truly show up in service. I love this. It reminds me of Steve Chandler. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am. Yeah. 
grandfather of coaching. Mm-hmm. I totally recommend his book, yeah. the Coach. I'm sure you do too. I do. He's written like 4,000 books. I, I think I've written four for one, maybe two of them. I, I, I love Steve. He coached me back in 2000. I don't know, 10, 12, something like that. And really transformed my business. And he is a grandfather coaching because there, if you think there's a lot of people out there that like the Jay Shetties of the world, we'll just say, and this is not a bad mouthy thing. This is just like recognizing different people do different things who serve masses and really are so good at the marketing piece and are meant to like reach masses, maybe at a lighter touch point. And then there are the people that are really designed and here to work with smaller numbers, but go much deeper with people. But you can still reach masses because the ripple effect of that is profound. So a Jay Shetty avatar, I'm just using names people are familiar with, and a Steve Chandler avatar, neither is better. Both have their place in the world, but it's like knowing what, like, I know I am not a Jay Shetty avatar. (laughs) I'm just not. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. I know what I enjoy. I know how I'm here to serve. And so it's like, I think that I see a lot of coaches and just entrepreneurs comparing themselves to other entrepreneurs that really they shouldn't be comparing themselves to because that's not your path. Mm -hmm. And so I think getting really clear about who you are and what you love and the kind of business you want to have. Because I was one thing I was super clear on early on is I didn't want a huge business with multiple employees. And like that was something that just really didn't light me up. And when I coached with Steve, that was one thing he helped me get really clear on. And he kept bringing me back to service. Like it's all about service. And if you are really about service. It doesn't matter if you're talking to one person or 1 million people because it's all about service. And one person is no worse than a million people. And I know some people may be thinking, oh, but I can make bigger impact if I talk to a million people. Well, to that I say, then you're underestimating the ripple effect because it's huge. And working one-on-one with clients and being able to do deep work with them and shifting generational patterns like you're helping like future generations in that. So I think that, and I love your comment on this. I I feel that in the world of entrepreneurism, there has been kind of a star aspect, like the influencer aspect. And I'm wondering how you think that impacts people in building their own business. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love what you're bringing um, in this point and the illustration of the two avatars and the really like, because of what I hear you doing, Christine is calling people in to know themselves. Yes. Right? They get to decide. And I think that that's such a powerful, powerful message because it's your business, right? It's your life. You want it to feel like it belongs to you. And I think that there is this, you know, star power um, that happens in business. And it, to me, I think what it does is it, it perpetuates living in this fantasy, right? Like, Mm. which I think our culture does, you know, I was talking to a woman not long ago who worked on Disney films, right? And, you know, now she's writing a book about a romantic relationship she had that, be, grew very toxic and 
was is one of the biggest struggles in her life was to leave that and to heal from that. And we were talking about the fantasies that are ingrained in us by society as we grow up. And it what it does is it it almost has this effect where we play our future lives out in our mind's eye in the fantasy version, right? And it's like, we can see the movie reel of our future self playing, right? And we can really get attached to this fantasy. And it's like, and and it almost goes back to, you know, how you opened our conversation with the woman you were speaking to in her resistance of like the growing the business parts of it or the pieces that she didn't like. It's like, but it's, it's part of it. So how do we not fall for the fantasy and look at what's really here? What does it really take? Right. I love Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic. She talks about how everything has a shit sandwich that comes with it. Right. And so really choosing something that you're willing to eat the shit sandwich for. And I think really, um, slowing yourself down to see other people's paths or what they portray as their paths in the, on the stage of social media. And to really look at that and be like, well, what's involved in that really? And would I want that for myself? Would I like that for myself? And is what they're portraying even the whole truth? Because I think, you know, in the quickness of social media, it's not Mm -hmm. the whole truth, right? So it's like, oh, I hit the seven figure mark. It's like, well, that's not profit, right? They might've hit the seven figure mark, but they're spending, you know, $600,000 in order to do that. But yet it looks bigger and grander than the person who has a half a million dollar a year coaching business that doesn't have a website that doesn't have a social media. Right. And so just getting into like going back to your point about discernment, it's like really seeing like using that uh, muscle of discernment when you're looking outward at the world and what's being modeled. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. I, I I've shared this story before on the podcast, but I'll share it again because I think it's important Um, I was, especially, I would say like after my third book came out in like that 2013 through like 16 time, maybe even before that, I can't remember. Anyway, um, I was just like running around, going to different masterminds, trying to hang out with all the cool kids, thinking I needed to build funnels and like listening to people do, I did a million dollar launch. I did a $5 million launch. I did it. And finally I was at this mastermind and I was at dinner and there were probably 10 of us at the table and people were going on about, they, you know, did this million dollar launch, $5 million launch, da, 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 this many people on their email list. And I said, okay, we're at a mastermind. It's all about getting honest. Can we go around the table and actually share how much we netted, like how much we put in our pocket this year? And we went around the table and out of the 10 people, I can't remember if I was the second or third, like highest net at the table. And it, it just like in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to stop thinking I need to like burn myself out, run around like bigger isn't better is what I, what I got from that message. And you just made that same point. And I think that a lot of us can get, and I got, I got that way and I, I still can, can catch myself getting into it. Like fool, not fool. Cause I don't think people are trying to fool us, but 
We can just go into comparison and go into thinking we need to be doing something differently and not paying attention to how well we're actually doing and what really matters. You know, and I think, again, it's all about knowing yourself. Like you said, if you want to have high overhead and a big business like that, then yeah, high profit is the way you need to go. But to have a half a million dollar a year coaching practice with little to no overhead, that's a really good living. That's pretty amazing. You know, and there can be somebody who's making $5 million a year, but only putting $200,000 in their pocket. So I love these honest conversations and these transparent conversations because especially entrepreneurs that are starting or even entrepreneurs who've been in it for a while and don't think they're doing good enough because they're comparing themselves. It's like, you're probably doing better than you think. And so give yourself credit for that. Yeah, I think it, especially for women, we have this underwriting narrative of not enoughness, right? And so when you look around the room at your fellow masterminders and they're throwing these big numbers around, right? Like it can really in an instant kickstart the story of, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not as savvy. Oh, I'm not as successful. Oh, I'm not as, not as, not as. And what can dismantle that so quickly is exactly what you did by being like, pause. Can can we be honest about this? Can we have a transparent conversation? I'm really curious, you know, about blah, 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 blah. And then what you, like the takeaway from you doing that was like, oh, I'm way further along than I'm giving myself credit for. And then when you come from that place of feeling confident and resourced and solid in your own self and in your own progress, you can do anything from that place, right? But when you leave the dinner without having asked the question and sparked that conversation and really um, like um, prodded people to the truth, you know, then you would have left being like, oh man, maybe I should do da 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 da, or maybe I should blah blah blah, or maybe I should hire this person or this ad manager or da 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 da, right? And it would have maybe spun off into this other direction that was not a direction that you would have really wanted for your business. So I, I just, I really love that story that you share in that example, and I think it it happens so often, and so we have the opportunity all the time to slow it down, to ask clarifying questions, to get closer to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I want to go back to the enrollment conversation because this is such a big one. And I have so many coaches or people that are enrolling people in programs, basically people doing sales (laughs) that listen to this call. And I think even if you're not an entrepreneur, there's ways we, there's always we enroll people for things, you know, like you may need to ask your spouse something and get them on board or a friend or a parent, you know, holidays are coming up. There might be some enrollment conversations you need to have. And I noticed so much, especially just using the coaching example, when people are in a discovery call with a client and they're having a great discovery call and they're giving great value and they're really serving the client. And then it gets to the, how do we work together? And what does it cost question? And all of a sudden their voice changes and their inflection goes up and they aren't holding the same energy that they were as the coach. You know, one thing that I always tell coaches is 
handling objections is a coaching conversation. It's not a sales call. And, but they move into like, they, they forget that they're a coach in that moment because all this stuff comes up. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about like what gets triggered when we get to the sales part, when we get to the, like, how much does it cost to work with you? Mm. And how can we work with that? Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, so many things get triggered in that part of the conversation, depending on the day, (laughs) depending (laughs) on your mood, depending on your emotional state, depending on what your bank account is saying, depending on when the last enrollment you had was, or like all of these things are in the mix because we're humans, right? And so we're having a human experience and that is just part of it and it comes up. And I think the, the more that you connect to whatever you refer to it as God or source or nature or love or life, the more that you recognize that you are in cahoots in partnership, the more you can relax in that. And I think, you know, inside enrollment conversations, I always picture a person, the person that I'm speaking to as they're standing before me and off of their left shoulder, there's a line of people that goes for infinity. And behind their right shoulder is a line of people that goes in infinity. So it makes this V shape. And the person I'm speaking to is at the front. And so whether they're aligned to work with me right now in this capacity that I'm working right now, whether it's a mastermind or a one-on-one or whatever it is, whether they're aligned for that or not, is totally okay because there are infinite number of people. It's not just about them saying yes or no. Mm. And so that's part of, I think, paying attention to your what we were talking about earlier, like your person living a life and your clients are people out there living their lives. So the more that you're out in the world and you're talking about what you do and you're helping people with their stuff, it's like, you can always be, in inviting people into enrollment conversation. So I think one piece of it is really connecting to the energy that it's not, it's like in one way, it is all about the one person in front of you because you want to serve them deeply, but you're not attached to their yes Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. not the only person there. And then I think then, you know, on the practical side, there are some things that I think can be helpful. For example, at the end of the conversation, before you're talking about how you work together, you might ask, you know, was this useful? What new insight did you get? What did you see that you haven't seen before? Like you want to really lean in to their, what was their experience of this time you just spent together talking? And from that place, maybe you see a way to continue and maybe you don't, like sometimes you don't and that's that and it's complete. And, you know, it can just be a creative contribution that you make to that other person. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful too. But it's like, if you see something more, then it's like, well, I see that you might name the thing that you see for them. And Mm -hmm. you might ask them like, you know, is that something that you would want for yourself? Is that something you'd want to work on together? And if they said yes, then you might describe what working with you is like, right? I call it like the container of how the work gets done, Mm. right? 
we meet every two weeks for 90 minutes on Zoom for six months or whatever your coaching container looks like. And I would describe the container and describe what transformation you see available for them. And do they want that too? And and what else? And what do they think? And does that feel like something that they would want to move forward with? And I would I would be in that part of the conversation before the money, before putting the number on it. Because I would want to know as a coach, do they feel aligned with the work and and the, our partnership and how it would get done? Because some people will be like, no, I only want to meet in person. And some people will be like, oh, we only meet twice a week. I would really, or twice a month, I really want to meet once a week. And some people would go, I'm not willing to make 90 minutes every two weeks. That's too much for me, right? Like you get information back mm-hmm. when you are in that part of the conversation. So I would want to know if they um, resonate with the approach first. Because once you put the number in there, we all carry so many money stories and we could never guess or assume what the other person's money story is. And as the coach, we don't want to put our own money story on it, right? Because it might not be what's true for the person we're speaking with. So if they were a yes for the work in the container, then I would share the fee. Right. If they're a a yes for the work in the container, it doesn't mean they're a yes to becoming a client. They need to know the fee, right? Before we have to know what we're saying yes to before we can, before it's a real yes. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I see a lot of um, newer coaches do. It's like, oh, they're a yes, and it's like, oh, great. Well, have have you invoiced them? And oh, well, we didn't talk about the fee yet. (laughs) It's like, well, then they're not a real yes. So I think you know, slowing it down getting buy-in for how the work will get done first, then sharing the fee. And, you know, what you talked about in the objections are part of the coaching. Mm. Uh, because the whatever somebody's objection is to the fee or to the time commitment, or it, it likely that objection is thematic and it's playing out in other areas of their lives too. And so that can be a really helpful thing to help people see inside Mm. the conversation. I love that. I love that. As we wrap up here, last thing I wanted to talk to you about is your philosophy called project-based living and how that can help us move out of perfectionism. Mm. Well, what I find is that for women, especially perfectionism is this kind of undercurrent and it creates this way of operating, which is a lot of overthinking, right? And when we are overthinking and we believe that there's one right way or one right decision in a situation and a bunch of wrong ways, and we don't want to be wrong. So we're thinking and thinking and thinking and perseverating to come up with the right one. That's what creates a pressure cooker. And to me, that pressure cooker gets in the way to being in flow. It gets in the way of creativity. It gets in the way of innovation. It gets in the way of enjoying the process because we're so attached to one outcome. And Mm. I believe that treating things like projects can be a really helpful antidote to that because by nature, a project is temporary. 
it's an experiment. So there's this, let's see attitude toward it. It's like, Mm. we're not trying to, to find the one right way that's final and forever. It's just like, we're trying to see if this is a way maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let's see. And so I think projects can alleviate so much of the pressure and the burden that we put on ourselves to do it right. And so I see this in so many contexts. Um, You know, if someone's leaving a full-time job and they're becoming a coach or a consultant, they want to find the right thing to offer so that they look impressive and in trying to find the right thing, they're spending all this time figuring it out rather than just showing up and trying something and showing up and trying something else. But their belief that, oh, if I try one thing and it doesn't work, then it's a failure and that's embarrassing and there's shame in that. And it means I haven't been successful. It's like our mind attaches so much meaning. So just by treating something like a project, it can create this beautiful opening for something new to be born. A project is how I became an entrepreneur um, to begin with. My um, husband, who's my boyfriend at the time, we lived together in New York City and it was a snowstorm and he is an artist. And so he got out all of his paint supplies and he covered the dining room table and I knew, okay, I know what this is. He's going to go into a painting vortex. And usually what I would do is make myself a tea or pour a glass of wine and get a magazine and just enjoy being in the atmosphere of his creativity. But at the time, I was, I had kind of outgrown my role at the agency. I knew it was time to move on, but I hadn't moved on. And I was feeling a little stuck and complacent. And so that was enough of a urge for me to be like, I want to be creative, but I'm not an artist. I don't. So I like to write. So I wrote a blog post. I created a WordPress blog. It had this like terrible (laughs) rinky dink image. I remember is the header. So something I'd be embarrassed to put on anything now, but I, I wrote about the one thing that I knew, which was my work at the time. And I wrote an article about Prada and their digital strategy, which, you know, now to me, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> but at the mm-hmm. time, I work and I pushed pub- publish, not thinking anything of it. And two days later, Prada called me and they said, we read this article you wrote. Will you come in and meet with us? Wow. It was this testament to how when we allow ourselves the space to work on a project, even if it's a snow day project and it's just an hour or two. And we think that that's that. When we work on a project and we foster our own creativity, and then we take the next step of putting it out there in the world and really releasing it, who knows what can happen? And it was that project that then led me to take that blog and hire a designer and a developer and make it an industry resource that grew and grew to the point where I left my full-time job to work on it. And that is what led me to become an entrepreneur to begin with, was this yeah. snow day project. And so whether it's a project to take a ceramics class for an hour because we want to reconnect with a dormant part of ourselves or using our hands or our own just um, creative essence, 
or it's a project in our business to see what will work or if we enjoy it or if it creates what we um the output that we intend it to it's like it doesn't matter yeah just a yeah. project yeah Oh, I love this. I love this. Oh, I, I think I love your energy. I love your wisdom. Thank you for showing us that you can build a successful business without burning yourself out and without doing it the way maybe everybody else is doing it and with really serving people. And we can have a really calm, grounded energy about it. Um, I'm sure some people want to work with you or have have questions about what else you have to offer. Where can we send people so that they can learn more about you and connect with you? Hmm. I, my website is elizabethcannon.com. My last name is spelled C-A-N-O-N, like the camera. Um, and I also run a membership for women entrepreneurs. It is a private mobile app that has a living library of resources. There's over 150 short form audio recordings on there that are ways to cultivate, um, more mindfulness um, in the experience of being an entrepreneur. And then there's also some really practical insights on sales and enrollment and leadership. And so, it you know, the membership is something that really got uh, created when I had my second child because I wanted the work that I was doing in such deep ways, one-on-one -on -one and in my mastermind to be more widely available Mm -hmm. um, coaching resources to be more widely available to women entrepreneurs all over the world. And so it is a minimal investment. It's $40 a month. You can cancel at any time. And for people in this community who are listening to this conversation and want to go deeper, um, I really believe that taking time out for yourselves, like you're doing listening to this and being, you know, in Christine's world, I have so much respect for that because I really believe that when you show up for yourselves in, in that way, you wiggle yourself free of the pressure mm -hmm. cooker and mm -hmm. you pay attention to your investments of time and money and energy. And you begin to design a life and a business that is, that truly belongs to you. And to me, that's why we're all here. So I have so much respect for anyone who is taking the time to listen to conversations like this one. And so I invite you to um, join the Age of E and have the first month be totally free. And so awesome. if you want to do that, you the easiest way is to text the number 66866 with the word enlightened. I'll know that um, you're part of Christine's world and you'll get a, a link right away to join with your first month free. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to your intuition and just being a, a great example of align, alignment <laughs> and really like coming from that service place. I love that. So everybody go check out Elizabeth's website. That mastermind investment is just so reasonable. And, and I love that. What a service mindset that that comes from. What a great investment in getting that kind of information for people. Because I think another thing that's really important for entrepreneurs can feel, so many people can feel like a solopreneur. So having community is, is just huge. So thank you so much for being here with me today. 
Thank you, Christine. Thank you for your work in the world. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I really have enjoyed so much our conversation. Oh, me too. Me too. 